welcome to Carry On. Hi, guys. And welcome to Sex and the City Podcast. He's got the most perfect dad. <laughs> How did this happen? How did they get the message that the ass is now on the menu? I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Thanks. Bye. Great sex. Frozen one and a half cups almond milk, a scoop of chocolate whey protein, and a scoop of peanut butter, and it's like a peanut butter chocolate banana shake. Yes. And it's I, incredible. I had that today minus the protein. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty good. Yeah. I do the protein because you can get it now at Trader Joe's. Oh. And I thought, well, this is very convenient. I don't even yes. have to walk into a GNC. And oh, if I can avoid yes. a GNC, are those do those I only s- exist in malls in the late '90s, early oh, 2000s? Or are they I, still around? I think they are still around. I go to my local vitamin shop. Vi- the vitamin shoppy. Yes, I would prefer that's... that. Every time I walk into a GNC, it's like I'm watching Jocks and Cox four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fantastic. So what you're saying is, say. it's great. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Carry On the Sex and the City podcast. I'm your co-host, Alec. I'm your co-host, Alec. And with us tonight is Alec. (laughs) Daniel Montgomery, a carry-on favorite. It's been too long, but I love seeing your gorgeous face tonight. thank you. Daniel's been busy basically taking over the world. I don't know. Can we say that? I'll say it. Same thing we do every night, you know? (laughs) I was hanging out with another one of my gay friends the other night, and Daniel ran into me. You have another gay friend? You know that's not allowed. Very upset. Oh, kiss and make up. Daniel, (laughs) you're my best gay. (laughs) I was so glad that 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 phrase was not in this episode. Yes. You know what? I don't think it. As offensive as everything else was that was in this episode, I think I think my best gay would have probably been the least of my worries. <laughs> yes. I had a girl in high school that said she wanted to be best friends with me because when she found out that I was gay, so we could go shopping together. Of course. And we never went shopping. Well, she probably got that idea from watching Clueless. <laughs> I don't know. The good news, if there's one thing that you've taught me, Daniel, it's that you have a terrible sense of style. I do. So gay <laughs> stereotypes <laughs> are not accurate. No, he wears amazing horror tees and a nice no, jean I'm and joking, great sneakers. Of course. I don't know what more you need to wear. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Daniel has a great sense of style. So thanks a lot for that. Oh, for continuing you're welcome. That it's stereotype. literally the least I could do. <laughs> um, Catherine, tell us tonight's episode. What did we watch on our trek through the Sex and the City universe. We watched Just Now, season four, episode 14, All That Glitters. It aired January 13th, 2002, directed by Charles McDougal, written by Cindy Shupak. And for the final time, I'm going to talk about 9-11. Yes. In well, no, it, it was, um, it was, it's, it was on my brain. We, d- only because we need to talk no about less it. than three times, there was a snow globe that Carrie shook, shook, she was shook. Mm-hmm. She looked at it, and inside that snow globe was New York City skyline, prominently featured were the Twin Towers, and um, it was it was on purpose because this was the very first show that aired after 9-11, and it wasn't until, um, yeah. did I already I say? Do. January. January of 2002. Mm-hmm. I do have a question about that, which is usually shows film 
months and months in advance. So obviously the show um, paid particular attention to the the twin towers in the snow globe that she has. Um, I guess I'm answering my own question. Why would you do that unless it was after September 11th or it's a horrible coincidence? I think that it, they had filmed I, I, that I'm not, before I think it that. could be either. I really mm. do. Yeah. Because it is so representative of New York City, mm-hmm. at the, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I understand why they would focus on, you know, the, the, the sort of bookends of this episode is, well, sort of. Is talking about going out in New York and being single in New York. Mm -hmm. So I get the sort of focus on New York, but I could also see it being like, you know, a tribute to remembering the towers. Isn't it interesting that Sex and the City was a show where the character of New York was so central to the show and they don't ever directly address 9-11. And... I can't think of another show that was on at that time that um, portrayed New York so directly and and had sort of um, such an influence on the show week to week. The only show I can think of that also took place in New York at that time was Friends, which did the same thing as Sex and the City, which is never directly addressed 9-11, but had sort of nods easter eggs i guess like i remember in chandler and joey's apartment they on their door they have like sort of a little easel that you can write on it's like an etch-a-sketch and it said like new york fire department Mm. Mm -hmm. we love new york fire department or something like that um and what's interesting about sex in the city is they never directly address it yeah i think it's a matter of at least speaking for them um, it's a matter of, I don't know, too soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, if I may, sort of a, um, don't let the terrorists win sort of an attitude. Um, not, not in the cheesy Toby mm-hmm. Keith way, but in the, in the sense that like, it, I'm proud to be an American and, um, at least y- I know I'm free. At least I know I'm free. <laughs> yeah. And I won't forget the, the man, man who died and saved life for me. me. So and I proudly stand up next to you. <laughs> so, but you know, the idea being, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make this a thing. Mm-hmm. We're gonna carry on, if you will, and I yes. think that you will. I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and soldier on, and just sort of like continue to live and thrive in this city because we're not going to get knocked down, kind of I, a thing. I, Whether I that just was conscious or not. Want to take in this opportunity because I don't know if we'll get a chance to do this again. Um, it feels appropriate in this moment to play a clip from uh, Fergie's national anthem. So can I ask you as a balm for that, can we now play a clip from Lana Del Rey's national anthem? He says to be cool, but I don't know how yet. Wind in my hair, hand on the back of my leg. I said, can we party later on? He said, yes, yes, yes.
Okay, that's that was hard. a lot better. That's that was real lot, nice. That was a lot better. G- yeah. Just give me Lana. Um, now I'm going to contradict all of us and say that um, I think they do actually directly address 9-11. Do Maybe they? not directly, but I think that they, <laughs> I know, just literally just going back on what I said. But is the season five premiere not a love letter to New York? Of course. Yes, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, and I think you're you're correct in saying that it doesn't directly address, mm-hmm. but it does celebrate the yeah. strength and magic of New York. Yes. Um, so tonight's but episode. I'm sorry, we need to talk about jocks and about cocks. I'd really like At to. least four of them. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned to you guys that when we started this episode, I actually didn't really remember it. I guess this isn't one in our rotation. It's one in, it's, I've it's one of the ones one. that I watch when you're not here because every time I turn it on when you are here, you're like, eh, pick another one. There's you something like about, episode. you know what it is? It's the downward slide of Carrie and Aiden's relationship. That's oh, a little hard to watch for me. This episode's not so bad, it's, honestly. This episode but, is uneven, in my opinion. I feel like there are things about it that are cringy and weird and out of date um, and embarrassing. And then there are things about it that are top level, um, best of the best, best of the show. Like the H&G yeah. magazine photo shoot yes. is, like to me, one of the, in my opinion, shining banner moments of the show. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just a solid episode of this TV show. Where mm-hmm. some major things happen, but it is an important an important transition episode for everybody, for, uh, all, everybody. for all the characters. Wow. In the world. I mean, Miranda like a little is a little lighter. Yeah, but, but no, but, but still, Daniel. Yeah. And yet, right. and yet, I wouldn't put it on my ten episodes to watch before you watch the movie. No, no. I I, no. I agree. I agree with that. I, I watched this episode a lot, but I, I don't think that I would either. Um, does have, I would say, uh, it's the episode that most directly references and sort of lives around the idea of gay men in New York. I don't think there's an episode that more directly. I mean, that's sort of the thing of this episode. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, like that's, that's really what this episode. Yeah. Except for, well, I mean, Samantha in the club, um, looking gay dicks. In a club. So absolutely, every single character, to one extent or another, is like deeply intertwined with a gay character. That's sort of like the theme of what they're trying to sort of show with this yes. episode. In, in, in combination with the idea of, you know, how fabulous it is to be yes. single in New York. And when do you sort of, I don't know, when do you transition Mm-hmm. into being, um, I don't know, in a monogamous relationship. Um, there, there is something, though, that uh, if, if I was introducing someone to the Sex in the City, I would want them to see, which is the opening of this episode, where Carrie oh my tries to get Aiden to well, go out. This is, this <sighs> is the moment of the series in a way that for for y'all carry on listeners that's right <laughs> you know that both Matthew and I are uh, are not huge fans of Aiden for Carrie yes yes i i want to i want to set the record straight that i think yes. Aiden is a great guy yes, yes. I, yeah. think he's, and he's, I think he's I think he's wonderful. very sweet in this episode he is very sweet in this episode yeah. he's very Aiden and i think he handles the things that happen in this episode very well yeah. but as a match for Carrie, not my first choice. And this episode 
very well highlights In that. fact, it features him yes. eating buckets of Kentucky <laughs> Fried Chicken in saggy white briefs and asking yes. Carrie to rub his yes. belly. Yes, mm. it's it's truly uh, Matthew's nightmare fuel. I know that. I do know that. Matthew, sorry, you'll have nightmares tonight after you listen to this. Bye. Come on, little Danny, you're coming to the country with me. He actually, instead of saying mashed potatoes, says mashed, mashed per- taters. No, I <laughs> Says Nash pertaters. Yes, I wrote it down frenet- frenetically. He says, "You know what sounds amazing to me? What? Nice hot shower, watching a game, <clears throat> bucket of KFC, mashed potatoes, biscuits, mashed pertaters." I, I, I'm glad that you point that out because I think we need to give Aiden some credit for saying pertaters mm-hmm. uh-huh. as opposed to taters. <laughs> yes, I agree. Because pertaters really seems like a conscious yes. choice. He's, yes, he is And he's fully aware of what is happening. You got a right to chicken done right. I make it tender, juicy, every bite. I make fresh hot biscuits and tasty fresh coleslaw. You got a right Chicken done right. Nobody makes chicken like we do with the Colonel's secret blend of herbs and spices. It's finger looking good. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. So I have to really give it to Aiden for making that choice. He understands who he is in that moment. Yeah. And he's kind of making it, he's taking the piss out of himself. I think he's, you know, besides the moment of flopping around Mm -hmm. with his uh, oily belly. Yes. On the bed. Yes. Uh, besides that sort of um, slop moment, <laughs> I I think he's charming in this and, episode. And I think w- what we're really responding to is that John Corbett and Sarah Jessica Parker have really great chemistry. Mm. I, I think John Corbett really makes that material work. If it was in somebody else's hands, it might not be as charming. But he's I, maybe it's just me. No, I have, I I have agree. particular man crushes. I and agree. Like, for whatever reason, John Corbett, he just and you know no, he's, he's so he's he's perfectly cast. Yeah. Yes, and he's so the way that he handles. Carrie wanting to go out when he stays in is really graceful and his light ribbing about um the key y- the key yeah. and all that stuff it's which comes cu- later it's cute yeah it's really cute but so Carrie's like well I'm go you can stay in and have your KFC but so, I'm going to call the ladies and we're going to go well, out should we get some structure to should we set up is that this is the very beginning of the episode yeah. is that right and Aiden has come in from uh, doing something to oh, the he's, floors. He's working on the other apartment that yeah. they are going to combine. That I guess, yes. I guess, Mrs. Um, Catterwall. Mrs. Catterwall is finally moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what the hell? Why is it going to annoy me to not be able to remember her name? I don't know. Mrs. Mrs. Cohen. Old dumb bitch. Mrs. Cohen. Mrs. Mrs. Cohen. Old dumb Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> so he has been working on the floors and comes yes. in. I don't know what he does with the floors, but he's been working with them and saying yes. how terrible they are. Yes. And comes in and is very tired and wants to just lay up with some um, KFC and go to sleep. Yep. And Carrie is like, no, I want to go out. Yeah. I got to be honest, a bucket of chicken, mashed potatoes, biscuits... <laughs> It sounds pretty good to me. Minus the sports part, I'm down. Oh, yes. Minus the sports part, I am definitely down. In fact, not too long ago, yeah. I I very rarely go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, yes. There's and one right around the corner from I know, here. I know. You and I have been there together. And I went 
like a couple weeks, not a couple months ago, <laughs> and I got there was their Carolina Gold barbecue. Okay, and it is pretty decadent. Was I the uh, was the cashier like y'all find everything you need? You do everything <laughs> you need. Um, see, I'm more on the carry side. I'm like, well, it's seven o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top. I am absolutely in the middle on this one. Yeah, because I could go very much either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Carrie's like, well, I'm not letting a good Saturday night go to waste. I'm, I just realized the the Kentucky Fried Chicken that I had was the Georgia Gold. Oh, let's okay. be clear. All right. I just thank got a you flash for that. Correction. The Georgia Gold. And I've got to be true to myself and say that it was <laughs> Georgia Gold. Reba McIntyre is very <laughs> pleased that you've cleared that up. Yes, as she is now the new Colonel Sanders. That That's is very right. true. Now, Alec, please continue. So, uh. I love this scene. I love this scene. It's, Carrie, I love, love, love this how scene. How did they film this scene? I don't know. Let's talk about it. I Let's think, talk about I, it. If I, do you want me to guess? My guess is... Well, explain it first. Okay, yes, and then guess. <laughs> Let's talk about... <laughs> okay. I, I, I gonna hold my hand. I gonna... <laughs> no, I mean the phone call. Oh, the so, phone call. Uh, Sorry, Carrie I'm just ready to get to the club. I'm like, Carrie. <laughs> so Carrie calls Samantha. She's like, we Let's are going out them. tonight. Samantha's like, okay, let me get the other girls on the phone. I'm going to conference call this bitch. Now, remember, it was 2001. So all you, everyone two. knows yeah. in 2001, 2002, all you had to do is press two buttons on the phone and you could conference two other calls in. Yes. So that's... If you're Samantha. But I remember Samantha one says, year for like middle, in middle school or something, I asked for call waiting. Yes. Yeah. Not that that's the same I got thing. my own oh, ringtone I got for in, the home phone. It rang. It went... Brr, and then you knew it was for me. Oh, how? Because people called a different number, but it still went to our line. Wow. I got in huge trouble, me and my friend group in seventh grade, because we did a huge conference call. <gasps> we did like the how three-way calling thing. I must have been 10 people. Wait, wait. Ooh. What am I at the Abbey? <laughs> um, so, um... So Carrie calls Samantha. Samantha's like, I've got three-way calling. Let's call the other girl. Well, How else do you have phones, group phone it's sex? It's a three-way phone three-way sex. Three-way phone yeah. sex. Oh, gosh, it's so good. So <laughs> she calls Charlotte. Charlotte and Trey pick up. And, and we Charlotte yells at Trey, it's for me. <laughs> he says, well, good for you. <laughs> Then they get Miranda. Miranda was asleep at 7.30 p.m. Oh. on a Saturday because she's, she's sleeping pregnant. for two. She's, she's <laughs> Is my girlfriend pregnant? <laughs> so there is this beautiful four-way split screen yes. of this long phone call. And yes. I don't know how they filmed that. It's wonderful. Here's my guess. The, all of those are standing sets. So they're probably all right next to each other. Do you other. think they did it with four cameras at the same time? I do. I hope that they did. I, I, if they did, I can die happy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's exactly how they, they did it. They must have. That is just luxury. Yes. Yeah. What's well, about fucking time? Get over here and do me. Is that your standard greeting now? Oh, sorry. I thought it was Richard. That asshole said he called me back in five minutes. That was four hours ago. I've been waiting by the phone. Yeah, well, my dinner might be arriving in a bucket. Do you want to go out? Immediately. I'll conference in the other girls. You know how to do that. Well, how else do you have three-way phone sex? Oh, hello? Hey, what are you doing? York McDougal resident. It's for me. I've got it. Good for you. That's the first time we've talked today. Mm. Uh, We're going out. Who's on the phone? All of us. It's the future. (laughs) Why are you guys calling me so late? It's 7.30. Were you asleep? 
I'm pregnant, I'm always asleep. These are my last months of freedom and I'm spending them in bed. Well, just don't spend them alone in bed. I'm a lost cause, go on without me. Save yourselves! No, we're all going. We have to shake things up before we officially become boring. <gasps> I say we go dancing. I'm in. Let's go dancing. Okay, but not somewhere I'm gonna feel worse about myself when no one's interested because I'm fat. You're not Aww. fat, you're pregnant. Yeah, that'll have men lining up at the door. And it had, you would never see this when today. When it's a hit TV show and you have the money to do it, you're gonna do it. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah. You would never see this stylistic choice today, except ironically, which is they have really funny wipes, like as a way to introduce a new character. They sort of like slide onto the screen. Yes. You'd never see that today, yeah. but it, I really it, loved it. Was it was very satisfying to yeah. watch. And yeah. it really tickled me deep. So they all decide they want to go dancing. Uh, Gary's like, we gotta shake things up before we get boring. Miranda feels fat, um, but but I, you know what I liked that Charlotte was on board immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh Charlotte, like you assume Charlotte's like, oh my marriage is falling apart. I'm gonna I, stay home, but but no, Charlotte constantly surprises. She you. does, yes. and also Charlotte has very clear ideas about like, oh, I'm a married woman now, blah blah blah. But when things aren't going well, she's like getting in touch with her like yeah. single self again. And Samantha's like sitting at home waiting for a phone call back from yes. Richard. Yes, she's been waiting for four hours. It's about fucking time. Get over here and do me already. <laughs> I mean, I think we've all answered the phone that way. Yeah, I definitely have. Yes, um, that's my voicemail at work. Um, so. Uh, so what I love about this is they don't know where to go, but Samantha, Samantha has knows the where perfect to go. place. Is it train? Trade. Trade. Hard cut Trade. to the coolest, best, most fun gay Do club. Do I get to sing this now? Yes. I gotta hold my head. I gotta dance into the sky. Not tell a lie. It's exactly what you think a very early 2000s gay club in New York yes. City would look like with endless endless yes. glitter confetti glitter, glitter confetti, confetti shirtless men glow sticks green glow sticks everywhere you're like in a giant industrial loft that has no roof it just goes to the sky and, like and the purple right what the do you moon. call the light I had one in my room uh, black light black light because Carrie's day glow underwear is glowing it's it looks like so much fun. So it, much honestly, fun. it's probably the the most fun, carefree moment of the show. Is there a more carefree moment nope. than the four of them? I can't think of one right now. Because none of them really have. I mean, Charlotte has her problems, but she's left them behind. All of them have left their problems behind tonight, and they're just having a great time with a bunch at the of sweaty, club. shirtless men humping the air. Well, let's air. talk about them filming this. There must have been, I don't know, at least one hundred extras, yeah. at least. Dancing in complete silence. Dancing like they die in. And by the way, this show films in New York, so you know there were a hundred out-of-work actors who were more than happy to come and make 150 bucks that day to just dance around oh my to gosh, no I music. I pray they made 150 yes. bucks. Um, it looks like a blast. We, yeah. we, we're, you just said um, dancing in complete silence, and if you're listening and you, and you don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show, but like, it's a thing in, uh, you know, when you're, when on um, movies or TV shows, I can't talk. Um, that if they're if they're filming a scene where, like, in a bar where there needs people to be music, people are dancing to music. People are dancing. They can't if they're trying to capture dialogue. They can't have music playing for people to dance to. And so you just move your body as in though you're silence. dancing. So in complete silence. So please imagine them filming all of this. If stuff you've never heard this silence. anecdote before, now we have ruined film and TV 
for you forever because every time you watch a scene where it's like, you know, my best friend's wedding and they're all singing to like something on the jukebox, there's no music playing. Also, my favorite part about that is, is the idea that everybody's supposed to be dancing to loud music. So not only are all of these extras dancing in silence, but all of the actors that have dialogue have have to to yell their lines. No, I know. It's really exciting. Like they're speaking over loud music. And you'll see that sometimes they forget that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And by they, I mean everybody involved. Yes. Because there'll be scenes where actors are talking very quietly Mm -hmm. and and I'm thinking, thinking no you should be yelling. yeah and it also drove me crazy for years before i knew that that's how they filmed scenes with with music um and where people are supposed to be dancing i was like they're not no one can dance on the beat and it's because yes. there is no beat and that's why or when looks somebody's like they can't in dance. a car and they're singing along to a song on the radio and they're not in time with the song yeah that's why because yeah. it's not actually a song playing um i wanted to say a couple things about the opening of that gay dance sequence in the club one is without any research whatsoever i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that sex in the city may very well have popularized the idea of single women going and dancing at the gay club because it's a place where they can get away from the prying eyes and hands of straight men at a straight club. I will piggyback on that and say, I read an article not terribly long ago that, but then took it, took it a step further to say that then there was a problem with, uh, and continues to be a problem with, women going to gay clubs and being incredibly obnoxious and having absolutely no respect for the men who were there and groping and treating gay men as objects. And it's like become kind of a problem to where like, like a lot of gay bars and clubs are like, please don't Uh bring your bachelor party here because you're in, you're absolutely insufferable. Samantha exhibits some of some behavior that could lead to that idea. One hundred percent. She's you a mean li- treating she, these people like they're not actually humans, she's which a happens little, a lot. I think she's a little much at the yeah. Um, you mean when she walks into the men's room and literally steps up to the urinals and stares at guys' dicks while they're trying to pee? And she says, "Sorry, ladies. For I'm." Uh, she said, oh, "She says, sorry, gentlemen. I'm just just looking. It's like being a diabetic at, at Baskin Robbins." Oh my god, it's so inappropriate. My eyes and rolled mortifying. right out of S- their head. Samantha was ahead of her time in a sense where now you know Kim Kardashian is followed everywhere by cameras. I feel like Samantha's always performing for a camera that's not there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. That's um, incredibly astute. So uh, wh- I-, I have a couple things to say about this gay club experience. One, I was at a gay club in Palm Springs a couple months ago for a friend's bachelor Toucan party. Toucan Sam's? Yes. And, I, um, I think that's what it's called. And I saw the exact behavior that Kat was or maybe talking it's just about. There was a bachelorette party there. And it was so obnoxious um, and and just, like, inappropriate. As though these other human beings who happen to be gay are there as decoration for your bachelorette yes. party and your life, and they're not actually human beings. Like, it's completely... And if I you'll, got you. If, I got you'll you. if you'll allow me, I want to tell a quick personal anecdote. Please. About the first time I ever went to a gay club. Oh. I was 18 years old. Was it Scorpios in North Carolina? Oh, I've been there. 
<laughs> I've been there, but no, I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I was sort of having an E2 Mama Tambien summer with a, a, a lady with another I was guy. dating at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, it'll be so fun. She was very cool. And like, she just taught me a lot about life and everything. And, and she had a couple gay friends and she was like, we're going to this gay club tonight. And they snuck me in because I wasn't 21 at the time. And um, it was such an eye-opening experience for me. Um, because I, I had never been to a club before, first of all, but also everybody was so happy and free and, and the vibe was so good, but I was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, because, um, even though I had been to an art school, I don't know, there's just, there, there's, there is something about being a straight guy at a gay club and you're, you're, it, it's not a masculinity thing, Did but you feel like you're you were worried intruding? that. A little bit you're intruding, a little bit like I don't want to give off the wrong signal, not for my own personal worry, but like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or something stupid like that. It was, it was completely my own neuroses and nobody else's, but um, I was I remember I was standing against the wall and there was like a bunch of dancing and craziness and a guy approached me and it was so loud. It was so loud. Oons, 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 oons. And the guy approaches me and he yells to me he, and he says, are you gay? And I said, and I immediately, like all of my worst fears came true that like this guy wanted to hit on me and, and you were I wasn't gay and I had and to say. He'd be like, what are you so, doing here? So I yell back, I'm not gay. And he says, no, I said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, I'm not. I'm not okay. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. Like, that, that's the stupidest, like, my own neuroses. You're just and, completely inside your head, like, yes. worrying. And so he could have come up to you and said, where's the bathroom? And you would have yes. said, I'm not gay. <laughs> I love the idea of you now in life. Somebody saying, hey, Alec, are you okay? And your response is, I'm not gay. <laughs> and everybody goes, oh. <laughs> anyway, amazing. I did suck his dick. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, but, I mean, there was an obligation. But to yes. no, no homo. No yes. homo. Um, but um, anyway, I, um, I it's since then I've been to many a gay club and do love it very much. Uh, but 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 there is a part of me that feels a little bit like, um, you know, when you watch the ladies in this episode... You know, is it is it intruding um, uh, into a world that isn't isn't yours, and 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 maybe you're taking advantage of? I think you know what I think. I think um, let me tell you what I think because this is my podcast. Um, so I just felt like I sounded really obnoxious. There's something that to me feel, despite all of the um, uh, cringeworthy moments in in that scene in this episode. In a time where, and I know this still happens today, a guy like Miranda runs into a guy from her office and he's like, I'd rather the older partners didn't know I was gay, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. It feels like the gay bar in this episode is more of like a solace. And it's like, you want to come here and hang out with us and party? Cool. Mm -hmm. And I say this as like a, a you know, cis white woman who like hasn't had to deal with that. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think this this episode in particular, I wasn't as a gay man. I wasn't bothered by it mm-hmm. because I think I remember this episode mm-hmm. watching it as I was actually watching the show as a youngin mm-hmm. and watching this, thinking 
that this this was one of a lot besides queer as folk on mm-hmm. Showtime. I think was one of the first times this sort of gay club atmosphere was introduced to anybody that mm-hmm. hadn't already been participating. There were a couple of gratuitous, um, quote unquote, gratuitous shots of men making out. Yeah. Like Anthony mm-hmm. with the guy and then a couple of other shots of men just going at it for like two or three seconds. I think this is the first, I think this is the first time I remember there being, I used to co- uh, r- r- uh, like rapidly collect uh, Entertainment Weeklies. Mm-hmm. And that was my magazine and I had copied, I would save them all and then threw them all all away years later because they meant nothing. Mm -hmm. But in its heyday. But and and I would go through every issue, like all the articles, and I remember there being an article about sex in the city and the picture that was used in the article was I believe from this episode and I remember reading about or seeing the picture referencing this gay club episode and that that was just one of the many quote controversial things that the show had was bringing to sort of the forefront and that was my first I don't know my first introduction to a gay club a gay Mm -hmm. lifestyle and I believe for a lot of people probably Mm -hmm. this episode was that so a lot of the things that make us roll our eyes right now I'm I like forgive that's actually a really great point I mean one of the things that we set out to do with this podcast is try and remember where it existed in culture then and look at it now. And I, and I think you're right. It, so much of what happens in this episode we consider tame or we consider out of date, but was incredibly progressive in 2002. Um, and to your point, Alec, about trying to place ourselves where and when this show was and what a cultural impact... Um, I'm reading a book that we're going to be talking about on this podcast very soon in depth, but I'm reading a book that has not been published yet um, or sent out to the masses yet called Sex in the City and Us. And uh, it seems to me like a lot of the thrust of the book is going to be about the cultural impact of the show um, on a lot of things. And we talked in early, early episodes of Carry On about women in Ohio or mm-hmm. North Carolina or just like small town women watching this show from the comfort of comfort of their homes being fed a new idea about what it what it was to be a woman about what was appropriate what was what you could think was fun you can sit around with your girlfriends and watch gay porn um and you can go to a club and, and have like friends who are gay and like yes to us now it looks like they're treating gay men as caricatures and you know Stanford is like just you just it's frustrating but at the time you know it did I think it did a lot for creating an atmosphere of acceptance and kind of like and it was ahead of its time like in yeah. a way was ahead of its time a little bit if it was controversial and shocking people then yeah can I ask you guys what was your first concept of gay oh gosh this is a probably a very loaded question <laughs> Um, our first concept of gay. Yeah. Oh man, you're speaking to somebody that went into a Southern Baptist church his yeah. whole life. Yeah. So I remember thinking of gay as, I don't even like to phrase it like that. Yeah. Um, being gay as something that was very foreign from my environment. Did somebody tell you what gay was? 
I'm not, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm not, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just remember that it was listed as one of many sins, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe before you even knew what it meant. Yes. I don't think I really had, I thought for, you know, it hit me. I think it was later than it probably should have hit me that my parents had had sex in general mm-hmm. and thinking, Oh no, my parents wouldn't do that. They're good people. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't have sex because yeah. sex is a bad thing. Right. Yeah. It was, it took me a while to understand that. Mm-hmm. So all, all I can say is that for a very long time growing up, it never occurred to me that being gay or a gay lifestyle, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes as I say that, was something that was even in the realm of possibility for my life right. and for the environment that right. I was because in. Because it just didn't exist. And honestly, not even kidding, sort of this, not Sex in the City in a way, mm-hmm. but I remember reading that Entertainment Weekly article and mm-hmm. really wanting to watch Sex in the City, and I did. Mm-hmm. I we this is this is gonna sound like such a lie, but it's not. There was this is so crazy, and it's the truth, you guys. Okay, I'm ready. We did not get HBO at our house, but there was a thunderstorm. I've heard the story. I think and, it's been told on this podcast. And after the thunderstorm, we got HBO. <laughs> That's right. You didn't have it. Then there was a storm. Then you had it. And we would figure out. I would figure out a way to sneak watching real sex and watch yes. Sex in the City. Yeah. Taxi Cab Confessions. And I remember reading that article in Entertainment Weekly, thinking like, "Oh, this is wild and dangerous and yes, fun. Yes, yeah. or could be. You know what I mean? If you want your kids to be interested." in something naughty then tell them that they can't be and that it's a sin or have it, on a- or have it be on HBO that's yeah. right you know what I'm saying I'm still waiting for my thunderstorm <laughs> 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 so I think I think that was you know in uh, you know not a perfect response to that question but no that was a that was uh, a wonderful my, response my that was perfect first uh, uh, introduction to to gay I remember when I realized that I was and am that it genuinely, for a very long time, it did not seem like a possibility. Mm. Yeah. It was like, oh, no. I know I have these certain feelings, but no. Like, that's not it. Yeah. Like, it couldn't possibly be. Yep. You know, it was very far removed from um, uh, my... Because you've been psychologically conditioned through church. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, the first time I... The first time I remember hearing the word gay was my uh, was my stepsister. Uh, she wasn't my stepsister at the time because my mom and my now stepdad were just dating. But I remember I was over at her place and they had a cat named Coco. And Coco was a boy. And I kissed Coco on the head. Oh my gosh. And Lauren said, you're gay. And I didn't... like. I had never heard that word. I was probably she in wasn't third or wrong. fourth grade. <laughs> That's when I knew I was gay for cats. Yeah. Um, you still but, are, by the um, way. The things I, he does I to am. Simon. We have two boy cats. Um, it's, yeah, so, um, so I remember her saying that, and I remember saying back to her, what's gay? Um, I think for me it was later than that. It was later? Yeah. I really don't think <clears throat> it was in the realm of my brain at, at all. Yeah. Can I tell a tiny story? Yes. Which is, um, I don't remember anyone explaining to me what gay was. I'm sure that I learned it. Cats running around. <laughs> wow. 
I'm sure. They're gay for each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't remember anyone. I'm like, it, I don't remember anyone saying like boys like each other's penises and this is the thing. I just remember, I do remember, vaguely remember it being mentioned at church that homosexuality <laughs> was an abomination. But I don't think I really knew exactly what that meant. But I will say that I remember my mother telling me when I was probably like at least old enough for her to feel comfortable talking. So like 13, 14, something like that, telling me that she has a cousin named Daryl who, by the way, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Um, he's been with his partner for 25 years or something. <laughs> but my mom has a cousin named Daryl who she mentioned to me when I was a teenager that he was gay and, and had a, partner and that everyone in the family knew it, but nobody ever talked about it except that my mama, may she rest in peace, bless her. Um, my mom's mother would had described him as being a little nanya. It was uh, a noise a she little made. Nyan-nyan? Yeah, it was a noise she it's made a with her sugar mouth. Sugar in his tongue. Exactly. But it was nyanya. And I'm making you can't see this because you're listening to this, but I'm making a little like limp wristed. Sure, and the that wrist. was the description that my mother was saying it as a in a way that was meant to be humorous that my gra- like what I mean is my mom was aware that it was silly that that was how my grandmother described him and also I think it's interesting that my mother the way she said that she had a cousin who was gay seemed to me like she was proud of it in a way that she knew she like Maybe shouldn't be, she but some she. Cool points. Yes, she seemed. Yes, why am I suddenly Burris Southern? But yeah, it, it felt to me like my mom was like, "Well, you know, I have a gay cousin." And I, by the way, when I was told that we, I had a family member who was gay. I was like, "That's really the coolest thing ever." <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I still do. <laughs> you definitely have a cool points. Your mother's cousin Daryl. Um, <laughs> So, Hi, Daryl. You're not listening, but you're cute. <laughs> so Carrie and the ladies go to this gay club. It's a it, this is a great sequence. Uh, you know, in some ways, like I would if I could pull the sequence from the episode and show it to people, I, I would because it is great. You know, you literally could. No, I won't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we we really like. Pull two storylines out of this. The we first pull is all of the storylines. In out a of sense, this. yeah, that is true. Actually, so so Charlotte runs into um, a Anthony, 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 and he's with a with Her a gentleman. GBF, yes. basically. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. and with and with Anthony is a gentleman who works for the magazine Holman Garden House and Garden House and Garden. H and G magazine. I used to wear my mother's pearls and thumb through it when I was a kid. And and this gay man says, "Me too," which is really cute. So cute. Come on. So um, this guy wants to shoot. Charlotte and wants to see her home because Anthony has really played it up. It's like, yeah, Anthony's like, Oh, Manhattan she lives in the place. perfect park Avenue. Like. Yes. And he's not wrong. No. no, he's absolutely right. So Charlotte gets very excited about the prospect of that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Carrie goes over to the bar to try and get herself a drink. But it's a gay bar. 
It's, it's hard difficult. for her to get a drink. None of those men are hard for her. Wait a so minute. Since hard. when is it hard for a woman to get a drink at the bar? Ma- I don't think you understand. She's at a gay bar, A you man guys. shows up at the bar and says, what do you need? And she says, a penis, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we had to pause. We were laughing so we hard and for so long. LOLing. But then... A very charming. Oh, this man. This the man I just mentioned. The man. Soul patch. He's got a soul patch on his chin that's in a weird place all the way at the end of his chin. He's yeah. an Australian gentleman named Oliver Spinsa. Oliver Spinsa, who's Oliver only Spinza? been here for about six months. And he's a show distributor. <laughs> I'm trying to order a dirty martini. Good. A dirty martini for the lovely and talented Carrie Bradshaw. Thank you. Oliver Spinsa. Hello. I've only been in the state six months, and I've come to regard your column as my New York survival guide. Oh, Oliver, you're a dead man. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh. What do you do? I'm a shoe distributor. It would be cruel to kid me. All the top lines. Offices here, Sydney, and Milan. So, then you get a discount? For special friends and columnists. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers to you. Hello, what's this? Market, you're my dating guru. I'm still allowed to see other gays. Then you must allow me to take you to brunch. Sure. I'll give you my card. All right. Uh, can you hold this for a moment? Sure. Thanks. What's this a goodie bag? Yeah, of course. I was at a film release party earlier. Jocks and Cox 4. I was told it was a merchant library film. Now, would I be able to enjoy this if I missed Jocks and Cox 1, 2, and 3? Yes, but you'd want to see those eventually. Very important films. And um, her uh, Sex in the City column has been has become his New York survival guide. <laughs> and she says, "Oh, you're in, you're a dead man. I have no idea what I'm talking about." And he points out the ring on her finger, and he was like, "What? You know, tell me about that." She's about what? And he yeah. says, "The ring." And she says, "I keep forgetting I'm engaged." Yeah. Woo! That's a good sign. <laughs> everyone knows that's the best sign when you're engaged to be married, when you forget you're engaged. She's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. no, you don't. Yeah. Don't become, don't get ma- married because I- I'm I'm going to lose my, like, single girl, like, guideline to New York City. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that's chill. And he's yeah. like, I just came from a movie and hands her, like, a, a, a swag a giant, bag from one of Jocks those and giant- Cox for um, containers that that were like used to be at porn shops because that was where I understand the internet existed, but still in this time period, it's a little bit nostalgic because like you would get a physical copy, jocks like a, huge, like a porno. Huge box of a, Those a giant jocks and cox for VHS. And yeah. Carrie makes they have such a great meet cute and such a great bibbity bobbity back and forth dialogue it's really where fantastic. she's like, "No, am I going to? Uh, can I fully appreciate this if I haven't seen Jocks and Cox one, two, and three? Which yeah. is an incredible joke. It's so yes. funny. He and he's a shoe distributor or whatever, and says yes. I can get a discount. And it's like they really hit it's it. It's a off. match made in heaven. So he, and he's really cute. He invites her to lunch. Um, and brunch. Are they brunching? Even. Which, by the way, in Sex and the City and Us, this book that I'm reading, um, they talk about how like Sex and the City 
brunch was one of those things that it sort of oh, it's a thing brunch. now yeah brunch. but it, like but like then it was like oh you're gonna go brunching with your you're gonna go to a gay club and then get up in the morning and go brunching we're gonna have mimosas so she goes on a, a, yeah. a brunch date with this guy the and next they, morning they're like we have to see each other immediately in eight hours and they've got some real zippity zoppity zoo yes like, they're, they're very got, it's very it's very like kind of flirty carrie's yeah. wearing a shirt that has no back to it yes yeah. and they're talking She's about how he has a boyfriend that lives in Australia is that right yes and that they are in an open relationship and she's like ooh tell me how that works she says something about like the gay playbook is different than the straight playbook I resent that yeah again it's one of those things that I'm like I give it a pass because here we go absolutely you know this is our first time hearing about it so let's go and he's like I understand that I can't get everything from one man Mm -hmm. so it's like Jim is a free space yeah. and um, only blow jobs or something, yeah. nor last name. Now, here's here's my question, which is, and, you know, I feel like when an episode is successful, you don't have to ask this question. What is it that, that Carrie learns in this episode? So Carrie is, you know, for her, she's thinking, huh, you know, for her, her this episode, she is battling, like, her single girl life versus her, you know, mm-hmm. m- like a uh, boyfriend life, yes. right? Where her boyfriend doesn't want to go out, she wants to go out. So how does she balance that? Especially yeah. when now that she's engaged, should she yeah. should she always be with him? Yeah. And maybe at the end of the episode, she thinks maybe I should, but it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. But for this, she's like, do gay men have it right? Where it's like you can't possibly get everything out of one person. Yeah. So. For like gay guy, for for her and for this guy saying like you know uh, we're in an open relationship so I can have sex with whoever I want to I just you know at the end of the day he's my boyfriend mm-hmm. so she's like is does is, does that actually make sense and maybe to translate for her like single girl straight life she's like mm-hmm. maybe that does work maybe I can have my like friends I go out with mm-hmm. and I can have my gay best friend and then come back home to my man so yes. I'm not gonna get everything from one person this is where the episode sort of doesn't fully hit the mark for me yeah is because just to skip ahead a little bit you know carrie's hanging out with him she likes him she goes out to another club with him after aiden is like oh i'm gonna stay home again but the thing that sends her back home it to me doesn't feel like the idea of oh People can fulfill different things for you in your life, which I actually believe is true. It's that he ignores her yes. for a little bit. She's very, it's, well, I she's think, somehow very possessive immediately with this brand new friend, and she's horrified that he's not paying every single ounce of attention he has to her. Which is, I think, a fault of Carrie's in a way, you know. But I, I, I get it from her, from her perspective as for who she is in particular. Yeah. So for her, you know, she is like, no, I'm going to continue to hang out with this guy and even brings it up to Aiden. It's like, I'm going out to Bungalow 8. He's like, what is that, a play? Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm going out with this man named Oliver. And he's like, who? And who is he? And she's like, oh, he's gay. And he's like, oh, no big deal. And she, he, and then Aiden even offers to go out with her. Yes. He's like, well, I can shower and I can go with you guys. And she's like, oh, it's like very exclusive. You need a key. And there's this playful banter about a key. She's been, and yes. she's been wanting Aiden to go out with her a lot. And then now he wants to. And she's like. It's too late. Yeah. Like, it's very exclusive. And like, yeah. it might be a hassle. And I already made up these plans with this friend. Do you think and- that there's a part of it, though, that's not just like, oh, it's too late. But she's like. 
I'd rather go out without you. Or you'd, you'd embarrass me. Maybe? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's it. So when she goes out with him and there are a lot of other gay guys there that are paying attention to him, I think she realizes, like, hits her, like, what am I, and she even says, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, like, there's a man who wanted to spend time with me at home, and I chose to be like, no, I'm going to go out and, like, do this and live, be fabulous, and she realizes, like, all the fabulous people aren't interested in spending time with her. This is what's interesting to me about episodic TV, which is you sort of have to always get your character back to homeostasis at the end of the episode. I feel like... If you're actually being true to Carrie on a more global scale, that Carrie does believe the idea that different people in your life serve different purposes. Yes. So I think that's where this episode just sort of that her storyline doesn't quite track for me. Well, I, I, I agree with you there, but the reason why I go with it a little bit is because the because where we are left at the end of the episode mm-hmm. because, and I'll just jump to the very yes. end. So she ends up leaving bungalow eight and goes home in this beautiful, like tracking sort of like crane shot yes. out of the club wearing she's one of my favorite these, dresses. These boots are made for walking mm-hmm. and she, yeah, she she's sex, wearing in a she beautiful dress. And, like, mm-hmm. and she comes home and Aiden's like there and present and they have a cute little moment talking about gay porn mm-hmm. and, and, can I tell you one quick story about that scene? Sure. Because we all groaned. Because he's like, what did you learn from the video? Yeah. And Carrie makes this awful porn music noise that no one's ever made. <laughs> I can't. So, but can I tell you, this is like one of those weird, like, Berenstain, Berenstain, Mandela effect things where... I had watched this episode over and over again because I remembered very clearly the stuff with Miranda and her law firm, which we'll talk to in a mo- about in a moment, uh, with Samantha and the ecstasy and I love you and the Charlotte, especially the Charlotte and Trey in the H&G magazine. But there was there came a day when I watched this episode and there was suddenly this scene where Carrie is singing porn music to Aiden and I was like, I don't know this scene. Oh, really? It's like I had either it didn't exist you, one you day and then out? I was in a different universe. So like I'm I'm fully open to the fact that maybe there are alternate universes and I was in another one until this moment came and I finally watched this episode and there was this new scene in it. Or I completely blocked it out because it was so embarrassing. That was the bungalow. I seem better. Why do you own jocks and cocks for? More research for the survival guide. Really? What'd you learn? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Give me some of that. Mm. Big thank you to our gay friends. <laughs> That is the one of the first things I think of when I think of this episode is her doing that weird sort of wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we started watching it, I think I had some sort of verbal reaction like, oh, you did. Whoa. Because yeah. my brain was going to that spot yes. at the end of the episode. Because wow. I remember that so vividly. No. That's one of the first things I think of when I think of this episode. I blocked it out and it didn't exist for me the first maybe 75 times I well, saw it's this here episode. And it's real and it happened. <laughs> so um, at the end of the episode, yeah. she ends up sort of like you know flirting and sort of seducing uh Aiden and, and Aiden saying yes. like you know he pulls out the VHS copy and is like 
where'd you get jocks and cocks for? And she's yep. like, oh, I learned a lot from watching it. Let me show you. And it's very cute. But the episode mm-hmm. ends with her saying, just sort of summarizing everybody's storylines in a way, saying relationships are a lot prettier on the outside. You don't know what's actually going on. Mm-hmm you know, behind closed doors. So yep. it's not a resolution for her. Mm, yeah, it's not like, and I made the right choice and I mm-hmm. went home and spent it with my man and I was fulfilled. Yes. It's not that. That's no. fair. For her, it's like, yeah. and then I went home and I still didn't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's dark. That's it is a little life, dark. Man. That's why I mean that's it's life. a transition episode yeah. in a way. Because like, you know, it feels like, on the surface, it feels resolved, but then when you see the whole storyline, you really pay attention to like the music that's mm-hmm. played at the end, and we go to that um, that uh, snow globe at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're like we're going, we're we're not really ending on like and Carrie and Aiden are amazing, and yeah. the re- one of the main things of that, one of the most important things I think for this episode of their uh, that represents their relationship is the fact that when she goes to Bungalow Eight, she transfers that red wedding ring to a necklace on. <laughs> it's closer to my heart this way and That's he, he immediately moment. is like what's the deal with that she's like oh yeah. exactly what just cat, cat just said closer to my heart and for me that's like oh it's the s- signals to the end yeah it is and to your point i just i i had never somehow in watching this episode a, a million times i don't know what it is with my brain in this episode but until this time i didn't realize or notice that you're right there's this voiceover where Carrie like the camera's panning past she and Aiden in the bed her and Aiden the two of them towards that snow Green. globe and while her voice her voiceover says like that thing you said about you never know like a re- relationship surface i can't remember, exactly I can't what remember. It is. but it hit me that i was like oh you're okay we're meant she he's asleep He's got a belly full of chicken. He's snoozing peacefully. Aiden's none the wiser, but Carrie can't sleep. She, her eyes are wide open, and she's she she's. We're. I mean, it, it it is a really unsatisfying in a, not in a bad way. In a way that like it's meant to be an unsatisfying ending to the episode. Yeah. Well, um, Kat, let's let's talk a little bit about how there are things in this episode you don't remember, and transition to Samantha. Because uh, her whole oh storyline is about things she said that oh she doesn't well she remembers she remembers but she regrets she it a little bit. This is this is neither here nor there. But before we dive into her storyline, I just want to I just can't let this this one quote <clears throat> from the from this episode go by, which is something that Samantha says. She says, "Gay men understand what's important: clothes, compliments, and cocks." Daniel, is that true? Um, that is true. Yeah, as a straight man, <laughs> I agree. I think uh, f- for me, it would probably be more like clothes, compliments, and butts. <laughs> <laughs> you do love a good butt. And horror movies and so, so many other things. No, and clothes that's it. And, you're right. It's just clothes, compliments, compliments and butts, butts and horror movies. Butts and dicks and horror movies. Yeah. What more do you need? Um. So Samantha is at the club. We're back at the club. I'm gonna hold my hand. I'm gonna reach to the sky. Okay. And while and she was in the bathroom, because there right. is no women's restroom. Oh, that's right. I hate that. I groaned out loud. Of course there would be a women's restroom. There this is. is an establishment of course with restrooms in it. And by the way, they're not the only four women at this fucking gay club. However, there are other women. There are gay clubs in West Hollywood yes, where there is just a restroom. It's mm. not a men's well, restroom. Well, I'm down with that. It's, it's not a women's restroom. It's just a restroom. It's like Ally McBeal. 
I was just. It is. It's exactly I what just, how I feel because there are um, computer generated dancing babies. <laughs> so uh, Samantha. So she she, um, she takes some ecstasy from a stranger. That's sorry, right. not a stranger. A friend of her Bobby's friend Bobby. Bobby's friend Bobby. <laughs> and, my friend Bobby's friend Bobby. The way she says it. I know it's spelled B-O-B-B-I. I just know that it is. I don't know. I don't um, think it is. So, uh, so Samantha's on X, and she's heard that when you're on ecstasy, the sex is really incredible. So she's going to go track down Richard. Gets rid of all of your Richard. inhibitions. You have inhibitions? <laughs> That's One of my favorite joke. lines from the episode. Yeah. Carrie's so, like, what? Yeah. What do you mean inhibitions? Yeah. So uh, Samantha goes over to Richard's, and uh, they really go to town on each other. And when they both climax simultaneously, like you always do. Yes, um, it always happens. She says, I love you, Richard. She, she, no, she's, more specifically, she I says, love you. Richard, I'm, I'm in love, love with you. you. To your point about her um, performing for a camera. Yes. Always. Always. That always. moment feels very theatrical. Hard cut to the next morning. <laughs> she's having the walk of shame. Her tits are flopping around in her dress just like they did the night before. She is naked she, under that she looks thin sheet. up from the floor. <laughs> yeah, she, she looks does. road hard and put up wet. She do. She's sc- literally screaming for a taxi. Can I get yeah. a fucking cab? She's on the phone with Carrie, right? Yeah. And she's saying how, she says, <laughs> she's, X is a dangerous drug. It's a dangerous drug. Dangerous drug. I think yeah. that is one of the funniest moments on the whole television show where she's like, she, she's like, I will never do that drug again. It is dangerous. So cut to, she's at work with Richard and every time they talk about business, it sounds so fake. Oh. It sounds like, he's like, you let them say that thing in the Times again? And she's like, I called them and yelled at them. He's like, did you get the TPS reports? And she's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So, but she brings it right up. Or Samantha, she's not going to skirt around she's the issue. She's nothing if not direct. Uh, she's not going to beat around the bush. No. She's going to get right to it. She would She says, dare. are we going to talk about that thing I said? And he very quickly is like, listen, you were on X. I've been there. I get it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, cool. But Carrie's voiceover lets us know how Samantha really feels about this. Which is not great. Not great. She wishes that he had made a big deal out of it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of making a big deal out of it, let's talk about that house and garden photo shoot that Ooh. Charlotte has. Oh, I, I wanna I wanna quickly jump. I in. wish you one, would one note. Um, the way they the way Samantha and Richard end that conversation. Oh yeah, well, how is that? I don't. I mean, remember. She was she was like, all right, well, I'll see you later. Fuck you at my place at eight. Oh all right, yeah. All right. <laughs> Fuck you at my place. And Alec, you said out loud, you said some, something to the effect human of beings how talking human to beings each other. speak to each other. <laughs> Fuck you at my place at eight. I wouldn't have it any other way. Bye. It's like just even I the whoever wrote that should be ashamed of themselves. Even in the moment of writing it down, they should have known that no human speaks to another human that way. Yeah. Um, Except for Samantha Jane. That's true. Um, so here we are. House and garden. House and garden. Oh, this is some devastating. I mean, I teared up. I I always tear up. This and is I've the realest. A lot. This is the realest moment. And you know, it's the probably the most canonically the most important thing that That's happens. True. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Charlotte has gotten herself into a bit of a pickle because she's having house and garden come. It's actually and, happening. Yep. Yeah. House and garden is coming. They are going to photograph her beautiful home and. 
it, according to the photographer, they want a great shot of Charlotte and her husband, Trey. But Charlotte and Trey are on the verge of divorce at this point. They're sleeping in different rooms. Which it must be said, uh, I, they're... Uh, like a, a very much larger percentage that, uh, than you think of people who are married or in committed relationships sleep in separate bedrooms. That does not mean things are bad. Yeah. Yes. And some people just sleep differently and prefer to sleep differently, and that's fine. But for Charlotte and Trey, this is a big deal. Yes. yes. And she asks Trey to take his stuff out of the guest room. Because it would look really bad. Mm-hmm. One gets the impression that this conversation that they're having is the is the longest conversation they've had in some time. Yes. And Trey says something very real. He says, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do that. You're so angry at me all the time. And like I, I really like that line because it's really vulnerable yep. and real. Yep. You know, it's sort of and like... And it doesn't seem like it was... He's just responding in the moment. Like, yes. It wasn't the plan to have that conversation in that moment. He just says, I and, don't want to do this. And you get yeah. that he hasn't said this to her before. He hasn't expressed, like, you're so angry with me. Like, this is, we are mm-hmm. seeing an, a, a really, a flashpoint, like a really important moment in their relationship. And it is heartbreaking. And she, her response is like, you're right. I mm-hmm. am angry. And I just, I really want a baby. And, and I, I shouldn't yeah. have to give that up. And he says, you're right. Mm-hmm. And they, that's, they're separated. Yeah. He makes sure to say, I'm going to stay with mother. Just so we know what a dork he is. <laughs> well, he's a, he, yeah, hey, he says Alec, you can have the we've apartment. Got, we've got to be able to have a chuckle. <laughs> All right. All righty. All righty. And he says, I'll go stay with mother and you can have the apartment. And she just kind of says, okay. And it's very mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's real. She, Kristen Davis is incredible in yes. this scene. Oh my god! Very glassy-eyed, but oh. underplaying it, which is oh. exactly right. Which leads to the next scene where it is the photo shoot with House and Garden. Mm-hmm. She pulls Anthony aside and says, "Listen," and before she even says anything, Anthony's like, "You're splitting up. He's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I always knew it. <laughs> and um, you're better than that fuddy-duddy or whatever he says." And then he, he you know, he tells the crew it's just going to be her, and then immediately for some divine reason <laughs> yes <laughs> uh trey walks in and says uh ready for the picture Alrighty. yep and she's like what are you doing and immediately it's time for the picture right then yes and no time to wait no time to wait and he just sort of poses next to her mm-hmm. and it is a truly heartbreaking yes. incredible moment in yes. the show because it's that perfect irony of the picture shows the perfect couple and yet they are collapsing in front of our very eyes. And Kristen Davis does the perfect smile that's like really trying hard mm-hmm. to show that everything's fine. But mm-hmm. you can tell deep down that it's just she's dead inside. It doesn't. Uh, it, it reminds me of Carrie's smile when she and Aiden break up for the first time at Charlotte's wedding. Yeah. And she has to go back and take pictures with very the ladies. Very similar. Uh, similar idea and and feels similarly. And that moment leads into the sort of final voiceover for the episode mm-hmm. of relationships can look really pretty from the outside. And, and, and Carrie in the voiceover comments that, you know, little girls all over, you know, the nation are mm-hmm. looking at house and garden and seeing the perfect fan. Oh. And the music in this scene is so heartbreaking and it, it makes me feel like crying. And the fact that this scene can exist in the, in the same episode of a television show as 
Jocks and Cocks 4 is the thing that makes Sex in the City so special to me. Um, let's wrap this up with Miranda. 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 Miranda is just, just so lovingly bumbling around in her life, and, and we're here for it. Oh, she's pregnant. <laughs> and she runs into a co-worker in the restroom. Yeah. At trade, this is actually a brilliant storyline. It's a pretty I, good one. I, I like, I, I like the, I like the way that this storyline opens. I always get angry at Celeste or even this guy who I can't remember this guy's yes. her coworker's name. But Samantha, I mean, Miranda. Yep, it has the perfect response. She sees a, a coworker. Yes, her like a cute gay lawyer coworker, and he mm-hmm. says, "Oh, oh, don't." Uh, don't tell anyone I'm gay, basically. Yep. He was like, not that I'm ashamed of it. I just don't want the... Uh, the the, the fuddy-duddies. The older partners. Yes. To treat me differently. And yes. she says, you know what? I totally get it. What a compassionate response. She exactly. shares a secret with him. She, she says, goes, you, know, you what? know what? Here's my thing. I'm pregnant. Yeah. And I don't want people... You know, I don't want people talking about me either or, like, questioning anything. Yes. So, yes. And uh, she was like... Mentions that she's like pretty soon people looking for like taking over my office. And he's like it's a pretty good office, and she's yeah. like <laughs> she Not gives funny. a great look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She does. Yeah, it's a wonderful scene. It's and, a great scene. And so the cut to uh, Miranda at work, and Celeste from the office comes by and is like, I've been working for two years, and, and finally yeah. it's casual Friday. Wait, but wakes Miranda up, who is snoozing. Miranda's yes. comically asleep. It is. It is very obvious with the door open. She's just. <laughs> Yeah. Like she might as well be snoozing yeah. and snoring right out loud. And Celeste winks after talking to her and says, congratulations. Oh. And she's like, ooh. Yep. So she goes to that guy whose name I can never remember. Yep. His office like, did you tell you yep. know, that, that I'm pregnant? He said, it was in your defense. You've been sleeping so much, everybody thinks you're an alcoholic. Someone saw, people saw you sleeping under your desk a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, and I love Which paints that. a real picture of what Miranda's work life has been like lately. I love the idea that to Miranda... Being an alcoholic is better than being pregnant. Like she would rather people think that she's an alcoholic. She says at a law firm. Yeah. Um, And And he was like, "I just told Celeste." She's like, "Celeste can't keep a secret." And then she was like, "What if I told Celeste that you're gay?" And as soon as she says that, Celeste walks in the room and kind of looks at them. It's like, "Well, now they're even." It's like I'm watching I Love Lucy. It's a real comedy of errors. It's it's a real Midsummer's Night's Dream. (laughs) Um, And. then it ends with a casual Friday. Yeah. Some, uh, oh my God. Oh my Miranda's, God. Miranda's, wear, Miranda's wearing like a... Uh, a form-fitting dress, so meaning she's her showing bump. off her bump. Yes, and she's not hiding anymore. And her co-worker is wearing a, cart, uh, a Halloween costume of a gay person. A mesh t-shirt. And, cam- and he's swish, swish, pants. swishing. And he like, when he waves at her, he's got a little limp wrist going. It is a caricature of a gay man. I could go either way with this. And my first response is to roll my eyes out of my head and say that is not what he would wear on a casual Friday. Yes. However, Because all gay men just want to wear like mesh t-shirts all the time. Yes, well, that's sort of true. <laughs> 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 I, I, I will buy it if the, the idea is for him to show the rest of the office, yes. the firm, that he is gay and this is how he dresses on the weekends yes. and you can take it or leave and it. And they don't spend, me. it's not like they spend 10 minutes on it. It it's is probably brief. a 10 seconds yes. moment. But so. then it's mentioned that as soon as the partners see what he's wearing, they go back to no more casual yep. Fridays. Yep. Daniel, it was such a pleasure 
having you here tonight to discuss this episode. She's been home. She's home. She's home. Here she is. The brilliance, the expertise, oh, the laughs. Please, please. Daniel, where can we find you? I love you? compliments. <laughs> I'm gay. Do you also love clothes and cocks? Yes. Give me all three. <laughs> Daniel, where do we find you online? You may find me on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. On Twitter, my name is Daniel Montgomery. Great. Minus one E at the end. But okay. just type in Daniel Montgomery and see what happens. Yeah, why not? And Take then a on Instagram, I'm Daniel X Montgomery. Okay. Ooh, that X is oh, for fantastic. jocks and cocks. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Catherine, where can they find us? At Carry On Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts or are on social media. Love you guys. Until next time. <gasps> Carry on. <laughs>